This episode is brought to you by the Accountability Club. Are you struggling to find time to work on your business and need some accountability? The Accountability Club is a space for weight-inclusive innovators to dedicate time each month to work on their business. In this space, you'll be in a supportive community with like-minded professionals completing those $1,000 tasks that keep falling to the back burner and are keeping you from leveling up in your business. Registration is now open for the last quarter of the year. Finish the quarter strong. We have October, November, and December coming up. Do the work with three months of co-working sessions once a week on Wednesdays. Get support with monthly group business coaching sessions and be in community with other weight-inclusive bosses in our private Slack channel and with weekly check-ins. Head on over to weightinclusiveinnovators.com slash accountability hyphen club to register today. We're in this together to make weight-inclusive care more accessible, and it starts with our businesses. We'd love to see you there. Welcome to the Weight Inclusive Innovators Podcast. My name's Hannah Turnbull. And I'm Morgan Sinclair. We're two non-diet dietitians, entrepreneurs, and Enneagram 7s here to talk shop about the business side of things. From managing a team of clinicians, to building a cohesive brand, to figuring out how the heck to pay yourself, we get deep down in it, talking about what it actually takes to start, run, and grow your weight-inclusive business, the good and the messy. We know your degree didn't include any business classes, at least not any applicable to what you're doing now as an entrepreneur. This is why we're on a mission to bring business education to other weight-inclusive clinicians. Say sayonara to all the hours spent on Google and hello to information that is actually relevant. Let's dive into today's episode. Hello, Weight Inclusive Innovators. Welcome back to our podcast. Today, we're chatting about why the fuck it is so slow right now. Marketing your business during a lull. We're all feeling it. We're going to dive in. But before we do, we're going to do our business highs and lows with Morgan and I. What's up, Morgan? I was going to say, not much. What about you? But this week has been a doozy. So a doozy? I am feeling good coming out of a very busy week. I am still riding a little bit of this like productivity motivation high, but I'm also moving into my luteal phase. So I'm expecting that energy to like drop in the next couple of days. But right now, we're feeling good. How are you? How do, we, how do we skip that phase? How do we skip the luteal? I don't want to be luteal. It's so frustrated that men don't go through this. I'm like, why don't you get two weeks where you're not as energetic? Because that freaking sucks. I agree with that. Ugh, men. Men. Um, I'm doing good. Things are feeling good over here. I have nothing big to report. Let's hear your highs and lows. Okay. Yes. Highs and lows. Why we're actually doing this. Okay. My high is that in the span of five days, I launched four projects um whoa tell us more what did you launch I just are you okay 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 also this is so funny I so I started working with the business coach last month and I've had a couple of launches and like a couple things happen over the course of like the five weeks that we've been working together and I launch everything on Fridays which is so funny to me because I feel like that doesn't set myself up for a restful weekend anyway so Last Friday, I launched one of my clients' websites that we've been working on for the last two months. I launched, no, we launched the Accountability Club. And then uh, skirt, skirt to Tuesday, 
I launched my website template shop that's been in the works for like three months now. Yay! So good. And then you and I decided on Tuesday that we were going to launch a webinar. Yes, we are doing a webinar on systems and money and making business sustainable. We send out a couple newsletters. We're so sad, though, if you're just hearing about this for the first time because it was last Friday. Oh, damn it. I know. Anyway, it's probably not the last time we'll do a free webinar, though, but we're super pumped. So, yeah, four fucking launches in less than a week. Um, I'm very proud of you because, as we know, Enneagram 7s, it's very hard to finish things. Um, we love starting them. We can do that all fucking day. And when you do a launch and put something out into the world, it's finished and it's not. But there's a finishing point that you should be very proud of yourself for getting to of like you made the thing and it's out there. Thank you. Thanks. Appreciate that. And um, also, okay. are you okay? <laughs> I so, Okay. So I'm good. I am honestly, I'm good. I have had the energy to do this. I, we had a three-day weekend. I worked very minimally. Um, so it was nice to have a little bit of break. And I was anticipating kind of all of these happening at the same time. Other than the webinar, like everything else was planned to happen. And I feel really good. I did proactively book a massage last night of just a like, I know that my body is probably holding some stress and some tension from all of that because it's vulnerable and scary to put things out into the world. And like, it gets a little easier the longer you're an entrepreneur, but it never fully goes away of like how people are going to respond to things that you put out. And so I booked a massage for last night just to like move the energy out and through my body to like clear, clear up anything that might be like lingering. So smart. You outsourced that, that massage. We love to hear it. It was great. Um, and then other quick little high is, uh, so I launched the template shop on Tuesday, which was two days ago from recording this. And I've been chatting with Amy Haneke, who is another, dietitian turned designer who's launching a website template shop. It's been so nice to have someone else to like text throughout all of this of like, holy shit, this is a lot of work. But we were talking about how how much work it is. And I was like, oh, okay, one's done. So now I need to like go and build two more out. And so I went into Canva where I am doing mock-ups. And I realized today that apparently I was like really crushing things in June because my next two concepts of websites, I apparently already have both of them mapped out, copy written, photos chosen, branding done. So now I just need to like bring them to life and show it and they're ready to be sold. Um, Isn't it wild what our past selves fucking did? And then we remember and we're like, yay, thank you, past self. My jaw was dropped whenever I realized that today. I was like, oh, fuck yeah, Morgan, <laughs> you did that. Heck yeah. You're like, uh, that's why I'm tired. Yeah. Um, so anyway. That's awesome. Can't all, wait to see them. All of that was good. Thank you. I'm very excited for them. They all have like such fun little personalities. Um, So one is called Dessert Before Dinner. And it's very like moody, black and white photos, um, darker colors. And then one is called Cachaua Pepe Therapy. And uh, like the ideal client that I made for it is like, 
girl who wants to go on adventures, but relationship with food is holding her back. And so it's like very vibrant. And the a lot of the images are like travel focused. It's like obviously everyone can switch out their own colors, fonts, and images, but it's nice to see like what it could be in action. But there's like squiggly lines everywhere. And yeah, it's just it's oh my God, it's so fun. I love is- I love this work so much. That is so cute. Also, your website templates are fucking awesome and they're so affordable. Like for people who can't drop four to seven grand on a new website, understandably, if you're at a certain stage in business, your templates are $500. Four ninety seven technically, but yes, $500. <laughs> okay. I need you people to hear me. If you don't have a website you like, you should definitely check out the templates. That's so affordable in the grand scheme. And I think could give you the confidence of like, I have a professional website that you can tailor to yourself. Like that is so awesome. Thank you. There is a monthly payment plans available for four months too. So if someone can't fully swing $500 right now, there is some payment plans. And uh, yeah, I'm, I'm honestly so happy with how they turned out. I think you nailed it of like, there is just something so nice about having something already put together that you literally just get to like plug and chug some information, but also the videos walk you through like the basics of branding, where to find photos. And then I walk you through each individual section of the site. So not only are you just getting like the template, but you're also getting that strategy piece of like understanding my why behind each of the sections. So you can decide A, if that's a section that you need to keep for your business on your website. And two, it'll help you write copy a lot better because we talk through like, this is the type of information that should go in this section. I love that. That's awesome. In my brain, I'm like, what other business can I make so I can buy a template for a new (laughs) website? So this is a week where it's like a lot of really high highs. And then I had a really low, low last night. Um, I almost wasn't going to talk about this, but, you know, vulnerability, transparency, here I am. I had quite a bit of a financial spiral last night, like mindset spiral. I am, as I mentioned, working with the business coach. One of the main reasons I hired her was because I just felt like I really needed support with pricing, making money. I mean, just like full transparency. I'm, this is like my third year. I'll hit three years of full-time entrepreneurship in December. And while my business has consistently been growing year over year, I am nowhere close to making the money that I want to be making. Obviously I like want to make money so I can like live my best life, but there's also just so much inconsistency in my business with like number of clients I have and things like that. And it's, I think I mentioned this on last week's episode, but it's really hard when you only have like two clients a month, two to four clients a month, because like, it's just pretty inconsistent. It's not like recurring week over week clients for a longer period of time, like a lot of private practices. And so just like with that inconsistency, there's a couple, there's some months Uh, that I like haven't even made enough money to like cover my bills fully and much less like live a really enjoyable life and see the fruits of my labor of getting to be an entrepreneur. And like, I so crave that like flexibility and freedom and all of that. And while I have that in my schedule, I just don't have that in my finances yet. Love that yet. It's coming. That's why I'm working with the business coach so we can figure some things out. Um, but she had assigned me an exercise to do 
And I did that exercise last night and just kind of had like a, oh shit kind of moment. And it was just, it was hard. It just like sucks from the perspective of like, I've been doing this for three years and I like feel like I don't have financially don't have much to show for it. Mm. I was also very validated. We put out a poll. We I was curious. <laughs> we wait and pursue innovators. We yes, we put out a poll um, and asked folks if they felt like they like what their situation with money was. If they felt like they were living paycheck to paycheck, and it was like I think the three options that I put was like yes, I feel like I'm living paycheck to paycheck. No, I've got my money systems down, or no, but I also have a partner or someone else to support me financially. And 50% of the people felt like they were living paycheck to paycheck. And I hate that for our industry. It's so fucking hard. It's so complicated. I feel like we should have another podcast episode soon talking about that piece. Um, I'll just say briefly, it is such a struggle and so many layers that go into it of like, clinicians are underpaid like fully across the board even if you're an ethical group practice owner and and i'm saying clinicians because a lot of our folks that follow us are clinicians mm-hmm. but um and that's they're relying on money from one-on-one and what people are willing to pay dietitians as far as like the market rate is as low what insurance is willing to reimburse for dietitian visits is low and it it just puts like a cog in the the wheel of dietitians being able to make more money because these systemic barriers. Right. And I, I think the work, I know a lot of people are dissatisfied. There's a lot of conversations happen in Facebook groups. And I I think we all deserve to make more money. And I think there's also a piece of, okay, let's figure out how we do that. And also how do we spend money on things we really care about? And then also look at our money behaviors to see like the, the tiny piece that is ours to hold too. Mm-hmm which systemic issue is like the bigger, bigger piece that we don't have control over. And all we can do is advocate and push back. But like, how do we make it to where we're not living paycheck to paycheck? Like what needs to happen? So we don't feel like victims of this system. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm in the weeds of that right now. (laughs) (laughs) It's Um, a terrible mess of weeds to be in. It is. And I'm feeling really hopeful because I feel like I have the support in place between money conversations we're having an accountability club between you and I having a business coach. Like I feel like I have the systems to continue to like put one foot in front of the other as I navigate this. That's awesome. And I feel like it makes sense. You and I have talked about three years being such a pivotal point of like when we had our episode about like getting excited about your business again, three years is the point where we start to assess like is what I'm doing working sustainable? Mm-hmm. And if not, what needs to change? And like, yeah. money's a big part of that. And you're finding like what you're charging isn't sustainable. And so making changes, I think is awesome. And you're at that point, everything feels normal. And I'm excited for you. Thank you. Passing the mic over to you. So my week was pretty busy. Also had Monday off. My partner and I, we were supposed to go to Telluride, but then they were having their biggest film festival of the year that last weekend. And so we were like, um, literally if it was going to take us six hours to drive there, it would have actually taken us closer to 10 with all the traffic in and out. So we were like, I know. So we, we have not been to Telluride yet. So we changed our plans and we went to, um, 
outside of Leadville, there's a place called Buen, uh, not Buena Vista. There is a place called Buena Vista. That's not where we went. We went to Twin Lakes and it was beautiful and perfect. We were there for five days in our van. We had our first mouse. It was annoying as fuck. Um, a mouse in the van? Yep. yep. Like a little and, field mouse? Yes. And it was, it ate our food and we we're like, oh my God, it's going to chew the wires. <sighs> so we took care of it. We don't have to talk about it. Dogs didn't get to it? What? They're the worst. It was, to be fair, it was in a drawer. So, and it was like the size of a dime. I'm not even kidding. It was so small. It was a tiny, tiny mouse, Um, but very destructive. So that was a low, I guess. Um, But the high was being in the mountains, having space. We paddleboarded. We hiked on the Colorado Trail. It was very nice. Um, And, but my low this week is I'm feeling so crunched for time. And like every hour is booked. I have a ton of meetings this week, um, or I did have a ton of meetings and I have so many project-based things I want to work on, like stuff for we, our webinar, launching the accountability club. And I just can't find the time, like have been working into the evening, which I don't usually do, but I guess this is just launch time stuff. So I'm learning about that and trying to mitigate it as much as possible by having fun things too, but just a busy week with having Monday off. So that's my low. I'm feeling in a time deficit and I want more time. I'm actually feeling energized, which is shocking because I've been a tired girl lately and I'm like, oh, this is, I'm going to ride this. Maybe I'm in whatever phase I'm supposed to be in. I don't know. And my hi, real quick. If you need to schedule an admincation for the two of us this year to uh, figure some of this stuff out and dedicate time, I wouldn't say no. Um, well, listen, I'm going to be in Mexico, November and December. So if you want to meet out there, that sounds fun. Wait, I actually know of a coffee shop co-working space in, uh, Baja. Oh, amazing. We're not going to Baja. I mean, I'd like to go to Baja, but it's not on our, our Oh, that's right. You're going to be on the other side of the little like waterway with the peninsula. And okay. never mind. Okay. we'll, We'll figure something out. Yes. We're going to Mexico city for two weeks though. Okay. So we'll chat. We'll chat offline. (laughs) <laughs> Sorry, this isn't a group one. Um, that'll be next year. <laughs> and okay, so my high, and maybe this goes along with planning another admincation this year so I can work on some shit, is I'm feeling very excited and having brain space back. I know I just said I don't have time, but I do have brain space and it's two totally different things to be able to like think creatively and explore how else I can serve people as a business coach outside of one-on-one. I only have one one-on-one spot left in this year, um, which is bananas. And like, this is a me truly busting at the seams. I can only fit one more person for the right fit. And if not, like I'm still great. And I'm realizing people keep coming through and I want to have different options for people with different price points and different types of learning. And not everybody wants to do one-on-one. And so I'm starting to think about my big course that I'm going to make and webinars. You're working on my website with me to make place for all these things. And I'm just feeling very revitalized by it all. And I'm taking a course by Amy Porterfield and Jenna Kutcher. I don't know if she's helping promote it or if she's part of it, but about making courses and how to do that and how to execute. So I'm excited to be a learner and have bought somebody's course so that I can create courses and just have a different offering for people also have a different stream of revenue that doesn't rely so much on my time. And I'm feeling like I have ideas and I know exactly what to put in that course 
that people can take and run with and be yeah. able to do group practice things. So mm-hmm. I'm excited. I'm in the dreaming and scheming phase, not so much the execution yet, but it's coming 2024. I am so excited. I feel like these have been needed for so long and you're finally dedicating space to it. I'm so excited to support you with the web design piece of it. I, uh, so I'm also taking a course from Jenna Kutcher right now. I know Amy Porterfield's leading it, but I purchased the Pinterest lab from Jenna Kutcher and I just started diving into that yesterday. And this is going to be my hot take. I am so annoyed that she doesn't show her face in any of the videos. Interesting. So uh, for whenever you do your course, I tell this to myself whenever I'm recording stuff for Weight Inclusive Business Academy lessons, like it is so annoying to have purchased a course like that where you feel like you're getting a little bit more like focused time with that creator and like she just put a voiceover on all of it. Like she's not in any of the videos and I get it because I have launched a course where I just do voiceovers because it was easier to do it that way. And it removed a barrier to actually getting the content out there. So like, I do get it, but like, I'm annoyed that I can't see her. Okay. So in case people don't know, we're talking about Jenna Kutcher, who's of the gold digger podcast. She's a great entrepreneur. Um, we'll just briefly mention there is some potentially problematic stuff with her and body found diety things. And We're not here to unpack any of that. And we're here to support body autonomy and what people do. We just want a trigger warning in case that feels a certain way for you. And just respecting like people have different lived experience. It must be hard to be somebody who's in the spotlight in the same way and have your body constantly pulled apart and and just like tortured about it. And so, um, yeah, she just has some body stuff going on. Um, And... She's a great educator. Great educator, great entrepreneur. She released a podcast episode this week. We'll link it in the show notes about like things you need to know when building a course. And she actually called herself out a little bit on that. She's like, show your face. Like in my first courses that I made, I did voiceovers. I didn't record the video. And like, I regret that. So she did. Interesting. Uh Uh-huh. I listened to it this morning. That's why it's fresh. And so I thought it was a really good episode and yeah, she's promoting obviously the the course that I'm taking, which anybody else that wants to sign up, you should do it. It's very inexpensive. I think it was like $50 or $75. That's awesome. Um, if you're interested about in making online courses. I'm excited to be a student. Okay, listen. There's always been a mindset for me where I struggle with courses like selling courses in my brain cuz I'm like, "Oh, I'd never buy a course. I don't want to buy a course. Like I don't have time to sit down and learn." And I think that was just me being dysregulated in, in such a like, I just need to get things going kind of mentality. Now I'm like, oh no, there's a lot of things I can learn from people and I need to be a student and take courses so I know how people are doing their courses, how people are like putting them together, what programs are using the logistics of it and to see what the experience of being a student is like so I can think about people who are going to take my courses. So I've grown. It's been a growing edge. Don't let my my mindset stuff influence you about courses. I think they're great. And people make a lot of money doing courses. Not that that's the only reason to do it, but it can be a definitely different stream of revenue. It sure can. Well, now that we've (laughs) successfully uh, kept it loose, not tight. Are you ready to dive into today's episode? 
Let's do it. Today's episode is influenced by real-time conversations everyone is having in the weight-inclusive business space. It is slow as fuck right now. There is a post-pandemic end-of-summer lull, and if you're feeling anxiety and you're feeling that too, we want to talk about it because this has been ongoing conversations I've had with like 10 different people this week in business coaching calls. I'm feeling it at my practice. Morgan, you're probably hearing it from your some of your peeps in your community. And so let's have a conversation about it. What the fuck's happening? This is like a constant, like th- this is not just like a, an anomaly, right? Like there are just seasons of running a private practice where things are just slower. Um, the two that come to mind most for me are right at the beginning of summer when people are prioritizing their summer plans over mental health care. And right when school picks back up, which is the season that we're in right now, when people are just, I just want to make it through, you know, the first few weeks of school now that we're in a new routine. It's like that shifting of schedule. Um, Those tend to be the two times that that most people are talking to me about lulls. I think it can also be very uh, location dependent. Like it was really interesting that we would tend to see a lull in treatment in Texas during October and November, because that's usually when like homecoming games and homecoming dances were. And that was like, it's like a whole big thing. If you want to like do a little bit of like Texas culture research, just search like Texas mums, M-U-M-S, homecoming on Google and you'll see the monstrosity mums. Did y'all do those in Missouri? No. I'm like, what the (laughs) fuck are you talking about? Basically, you create these like, it's like this big, like fake mum plant with or flower with ribbons hanging off of it. And uh, (laughs) it's so funny to talk about. And there's like cowbells on it and you like wear it around your neck and it covers all of you. (laughs) No, I'm like sitting here just staring at you because I'm like, what the (laughs) hell are you talking about? I'm sure there's people listening that are like, Oh, look how cute you are. That is hilarious, though. What is massive? And so just imagine, so like my high school, there were probably like six to 900 people per class. So like times that by four. Everyone's wearing these things with cowbells on them. And it's so loud and so annoying. (laughs) Anyway, all that to say, Texas culture, people avoid treatment during that time because heaven forbid you miss homecoming. That sounds like a sensory listening nightmare to hear that many cowbells and to wear it's, that all day. It's something. <laughs> anyway, all that to say, yes, I I do recognize this like end of summer lull. If you're in a specific location and have odd things like homecoming going on, there might be a lull during that time too. But yes, we're here to talk about the lulls. Yes, and please send us your mom pictures if you have them. First of all, It feels like right now is an especially low lull and a long lull. And I really think it's the continued post-pandemic, end of summer, people assessing their resources, thinking about like what they need. And 
I've identified five industry issues that I think clinicians are facing right now with things being slow. Are you ready? I'm ready. Let's hear it. Okay. This is why inquiries are low and referrals are slowing down. Number one, insurance. This is a time of year where people have coverage changes. The back in July was when they had open enrollment and usually open enrollment happens in July and the changes go into effect September 1st. So if you're an insurance-based practice, a lot of people are going to be trying to figure out if they have insurance benefits, waiting for quote unquote things to kick in, all of that kind of stuff. Um, Also with that comes learning a new insurance plan and coverage being spotty, unclear, and a lot of people cannot risk being private pay. One of the reasons why they're using their insurance is because their hopes is to be able to pay a $20 copay or nothing because $150 to $200 out of pocket just is not doable for them. And so that's making people be hesitant to reach out. Number two, and this can kind of go along with insurance, but resources. People are understandably protecting their time, energy, and money. Those are the three biggest resources we talk about on this podcast. And there's not enough of any of them. And that's a human condition. And so when people are thinking about getting care from providers, thinking about that it's going to likely cost money, they hope to use their insurance. Insurance could be one way to mitigate that barrier. But time and energy recovery and working on your relationship with food, body, doing therapeutic work does take some of their energy. And I think people might be having low energy levels from just surviving the panini. And then also a time standpoint, I think the thing we're all really desperate for is just having time to exist and committing to appointments does take away time. So I think people are in a grapple with where do I want to put my resources? Number three, the great resignation. The great resignation started in 2020 when people started leaving their jobs, being like, I don't want to do this. This is making me open my eyes. The pandemic is showing me like, life is short. What do I want to be spending my time? Where do I want my career to be? That um, was me. That I was, you. was part of the great resignation in 2020. Yes. And so a side effect of the great resignation is a lot of providers that may have been referring to you, they could have left different clinics, they could be working different jobs. And so there could be some turnover there where that clinic that used to refer to you, if you're not staying in regular touch, you could have fallen off their referral list or the person that you worked closely with or would see their name every now and again as a referral, they may not be there anymore. And so the people don't even know how to get the clients to you or that you exist. Number four, less people reaching out. When I say that, I'm talking about clients. So what I'm imagining happening is clients are having burnout in treatment. They're burnt out on virtual care. Um, they're feeling indecisive of if they even want to put in the effort right now because they're so burnt out. Maybe they have big life stuff, like um, we're heading into a recession perhaps where they can't prioritize treatment for lack of resources. There's so many things that are happening for our clients and you're probably feeling it too, like person listening. I know I am. Sometimes I'm like, oh, do I need to go to therapy? And then it comes to a point where I'm like, yes, I need therapy. And I, our clients are in that spiral too sometimes. And then number five is clinician burnout. So this is maybe the providers that are referring to you usually. They might be just doing their best and trying to provide care for their clients and 
maybe they're not going above and beyond right now by getting referrals and their clients referred to people for even more care. Like they're doing their care, they're going home, they're trying to take care of themselves. Also assessing your own burnout. Have you been kind of just waiting for clients to come and you're not really putting in marketing efforts? How are you doing? Like, how is your energy going out into the world? I know that's a little bit more woo-woo, but I know for me, I've been more reserved and less out in my community. And I want to change that. I want to be more active and like push nourished more into the community. But I'm really burnt out on that. And I'm trying to get my energy back and my excitement back for that and also have other people help me. And so clinician burnout is real. And that unfortunately impacts clients getting the best care that they could, which means multiple providers on the team. These are my stipulations. These are the five industry issues that I really see happening. Anything to add? What are your thoughts? You covered it outside of my random homecoming addition to that or whatever (laughs) the equivalent of homecoming is for you and your location. Um, No, this is great. And it's all things to think of. And some of these things, not having clients, being in a slow period, we will name that as a quote unquote problem for the sheer fact that you are not getting the revenue that you need to run your business. And there might be some scarcity mindset. Totally. And you're not getting to do the fulfilling work you want to do. Right. But I also think like, yes, these are problems. And some of them, the like, some of them have solutions, which we're going to talk about with marketing. But some of them, the solution is not in our control. Yes. And so this is like combination. Like, sure, there are things that you could be doing, especially if you are a little slower and you have the time. Like, use the time to do some marketing. But also, like, we just want you to feel validated that some of these things are just like industry problems that. We can do what we can do as clinicians to work through them, but also some of it is so outside of our control. Yes. And this is where you really have to think about the long game of your business. Like things are not going to stay here. If things stay here, there's a major problem. Even outside of the systemic issues and the things we can't control, there's no way people don't still need therapeutic support, eating disorder treatment, nutrition care. So number one, get out of your head and like feel your feelings about it, name that you're anxious. And this is happening everywhere to everybody. So I hope that gives you a little bit of relief of this has nothing to do with you. One of the things that I tell people about is when you're feeling anxious, take action. Because if you get stuck in the suffering thoughts of, oh my God, where's the clients? How am I going to fill up my newest clinician? Oh my God, my clinician's caseloads are dropping. If you're a group practice, That's not actually helpful. That's like saying, oh my God, the dishes need to be done. The dishes need to be done. And you're using all this energy on thinking about the dishes being done instead of just doing the dishes. I'm calling myself out there. Yes. And so uh, this is where I'm going to bring in my little marketing brain. And obviously Hannah will contribute to this too, as she does successfully market a group practice. I want to talk about marketing 101 when we're in a lull. But I want to do this intentionally because there are some things that are going to be a high ROI, it's return on investment, meaning that you are going to spend the time, the energy, the money, something like that, and you are going to see immediate return on that investment. There are also things that that will not get you a high ROI, 
And we're going to talk about that too, because there is nothing more frustrating than spending your time on a marketing strategy, expecting to see quick results when there are just certain marketing strategies that are the long game. Like they're not meant to be a high ROI marketing strategy. And so you have the time right now, if you're in a lull, use it. Love that phrase of when you're anxious, take action. You're probably also a little money conscious. And so I want to be mindful of that as we have this conversation, um, because some of these things do require money, but a good chunk of them do not. And I also want to point out, like, this is not an exhaustive list. There are literally so many ways to market a business. These would just be my recommendations of things to do whenever you are in a lull. Cool. Love it. We ready? Let's freaking go. So there's three main categories that I'm going to talk about when it comes to marketing your business during a lull. The first one is your outreach strategy, also known as networking. And I know you have a hot take on this. So let's just, let's, we'll, we'll get to your hot take in just a sec. First one is outreach strategy. Second one is email marketing. And third one is passive online presence. With outreach strategy, I call this networking. You don't like that term. Uh, Networking feels so self-serving and I'm going to go network. It's almost like using bro terms like, um, oh, I can't even think of any phrases right now, but just probably not relevant to our industry, but there's a lot of in the tech space, like certain words and phrases they use. You probably know because you were consulting with some tech companies. Um, But it just, it reminds me of that. Like networking is like, I'm going to go network. And it's like, no, what you're going to do is make connections, make yourself seen in the community, show your value and connect. Like that's what true getting the results that you want and doing fulfilling work comes down to is people get to know you. People can speak to your work. The clients come to you. Networking is just, I feel like the networking that you are thinking of is like going into a room of strangers and having to uh, forcibly insert yourself into conversations to make small talk. Is that yes. what, is that the vision and I you have with networking? Hate, I hate small talk. No. It's my okay. nightmare. Nightmare. I get that. You see, I, I'm here for the differing of opinions when it comes to networking. I love networking because chances are you're networking in a space where there's already values alignment and there's a common cause and likely people that share your credentials, share your passions. And so it's like going into that kind of room feels so different because you kind of like can bypass some of the small talk. But this is where I love the word word networking is because chances are if you meet someone or you know someone going, they're going to know other people. And that's where I see like the bubble where it's like, you're in the middle and you know three people that are going to it. So you have three little branch outs. And then from those three people, they're going to know other people too. And so it's like being seven degrees removed from someone. Like you will always be able to find a commonality and you're building this network in a way where like we are all able to support each other. You will always be able to find out how connected you are to Kevin Bacon through this person. Yes. You know about that. Yes. Exactly. Okay. Yes. That's why I made that um, reference. And so I think, you know, I think you and I are talking about the same thing. We just use different words for it and that's okay. And let's just say, remember earlier, I talked about how I'm feeling burnt out on mm-hmm. doing marketing for my group practice. Mm-hmm. Um, so that could be influencing it too. I feel like when I go out and network, it feels very, if I talk to somebody interesting who has something 
to offer that I've not heard of and I want to meet them and hear about it. And they like, they're coming at it from a place of, oh, I, I really like just want to talk to you um, and like tell you about this thing. And I think it's awesome. That's great. But where I get stuck is I feel like people go into networking too self too self-focused mm. of like, who can I meet to get ahead versus who can I connect with where we can collaborate and have a relationship? That's fair. This might be me writing a story, but that's yeah. been my experience sometimes. And I'm like, no, I can't do the small talk thing. And no, I can't like do the thing where you just, just want something from me. Like don't Great. want things well, from me. Even if you don't want the small talk, I have five recommendations to add to your outreach strategy. And by no means do you have to do all of these. This is like I said, not an exhaustive list. Take one that feels good to you and just start there. Out of this whole list, out of all three places, just take one, check that off and then go to the next one. Okay, so I have five things categorized under outreach strategy. The first one is, so I, these first two I've actually taken from a book called Reach Out, which I fucking love. We'll link it in the show notes. One is a re-reach out, meaning that you have already connected with, interacted with this person. They know a little bit about you. You know a little bit about them. Uh, probably the easiest way to describe this person is their past referral source. They have referred someone to you before. So if you're a dietitian, choose the five therapists or psychiatrists that have referred to you last and reach out to them via email or text. You don't need to call them. You don't need to have awkward small talk that way. You can send them a quick text saying like, or you can send them a quick email saying, hey, just doing a little business housekeeping and realize that we got to share three clients together in the last couple of months. I'm so thankful for our partnership. Looking forward to continue working with you. You're kind of saying like, I have some room in my schedule <laughs> to refer to. Me. You can outright say that if you want. I love a good clearest kind. If you're saying like, I love the work we do together. If you know of anyone that's a good fit for me, like I have a couple spots open right now. Um, I like that. I think yeah. that's genuine. And you've already made a connection with them. Right. And you've probably already collaborated with them. So you've probably already have this like a little bit of a deeper connection. If you uh, don't want to send them an email like that, um, another one of my favorite things that, that I recommend to people a lot is uh, sending them a quick text with a $5 Starbucks gift card attached to it saying, hey, love the work that we've been doing together. Have a coffee on me today. Cute. Because it's not salesy. You don't need to be salesy. You've already shared clients with them. It's just like a little nudge to put yourself at the forefront of their brain of like a, hey, just a little, just a little nudge. I'm here. I love working with you. Would love clients. Okay. I also have a different take on that. It's not counter. It's, it's just additional and it's kind of woo woo. This is kind of like my tipping philosophy as well. Um, I don't remember if I've talked directly about this on the podcast, but I am I intentionally over tip people because I, one, I can, and two, I feel deeply for the service industry. And three, I think it's good energy to put into the world of totally. abundance. Same thing with sending somebody a coffee gift card. The thing that with networking that makes me feel ick is when there's something self-motivating behind it, even though like it has to be, we have to promote ourselves. But I think it's also fair to be like, oh, I really do enjoy working with this therapist and I'm just going to send them a coffee. Yeah. And yeah. it doesn't have to necessarily be like, please send me clients, sliding a nope. coffee gift card across the table. And I know that's not what you're saying, but if some people like the woo-woo and the abundance mindset, I think that can be another way of just like, I'm going to send out some coffee gift cards and 
I know that that's just like a nice thing to do. Right. Exactly. Exactly. And if you have an iPhone, I do this for people's birthdays where I'm like, oh, shit, I did not plan ahead of time. If you've ever gotten a Starbucks gift card for me, I'm so sorry. You're <laughs> learning my secrets. If it's someone's birthday, I will literally, you can go, if you have an iPhone, you can go into your text message with them. There, I have the Starbucks app, so I can literally click on the little Starbucks thing and choose like, happy birthday, $5, son, done. I love that. Thank you. I do a Venmo sometimes and be like, buy yeah. a fun something on me. That's awesome too. That's awesome too. I feel like Venmo with clinicians might be a little more like, yes, uh, like that's true. Randomly sending me $5, but okay. I love <laughs> it when you do it for me. Don't get me wrong. I love opening my email and being like, uh, Turnbull wants you to go buy two coffees for yourself this week. Yes. Um, it's usually when I drop the ball in something and then Morgan picks it up. I'm like, oh, I got to buy her an iced vanilla latte stat. It's noted. I appreciate it. Um, Okay. So that's what I would call the re-reach out because you already have a connection with them. Love it. Kind of tagging on that is the borrowed connection. So if you have a clinician friend in your area, so there is a therapist that you like to work with and you haven't talked to them in a while and maybe both of y'all are in a lull saying like, hey, would love to meet some more people in our space. Um, Let's go, like, let's have a coffee date and we can like each bring someone and just like meet. Oh, that's cool. It's like a little bit like, speed dating, but for clinicians, it's very fun, but it's like, I mean, I, it it takes the pressure off because you're not having to have this like one-on-one conversation. There's now three people, four people, five people, whatever, however many you want to invite to like all meet up for coffee. And then there's a lot of validation that comes with like having these conversations in person with your community. I know there can probably be some like competition mindset. We encourage you to do some community of our competition work, do a whole episode on that. We're very pro. There's enough to make the world go round. There's plenty of people that need eating disorder care. Um, it's nice to have people in your team or in your back pocket, in your corner, in your, I don't know, whatever the phrase is. So that's the second outreach strategy is a borrowed connection, reaching out saying like, or reaching out and saying like, hey, I recently saw so-and-so give a presentation at this IDEP chapter meeting. I know that you've worked with them in the past. I'd really like to get to know them. Do you mind sending us an introductory email? Easy. Easy. Okay. Third is one-on-one networking or connection making. This kind of like ties into the past two, but instead of just like with the re-reach out and the borrowed reach out, a lot of times those can just be done via like text and email. So this one-on-one networking connection is like actually meeting up with someone in person and having more of like an in-depth conversation, that relationship building piece of it, um, getting to know refer a referring provider a little bit better. The fourth one is attending a networking event. Um, I know like IDEP chapters have networking events. Treatment centers have networking events. They... Um, we'll tell you about their treatment center as well, but it's a great way to go and meet other people in the area. It's kind of like a borrowed connection because you have the treatment rep, treatment center rep that knows everyone and can introduce you to people. Speaking from personal experience, treatment reps are usually a very social and outgoing and love connecting others. And so that's a great way to meet new people. And then the fifth one, which kind of goes back to what Hannah said about the great resignation is Treatment centers are a great referral source because they are higher level of care. They are looking for people to step their clients down to. And during the great resignation, 
even currently, there tends to be quite a bit of turnover in treatment centers. And so just making sure that you're staying up to date with who their outreach and marketing rep is, because that's probably going to be like the number one person in your corner. Um, And even asking that person if you can set up a meeting to like meet the current treatment team. Like they love doing that kind of stuff. I loved doing that kind of stuff. Like, oh my God, yes, please come to our facility and meet our incredible team. Like that was so fun. And so finding the outreach reps in your area, sending them an email saying like, if you don't know them already saying like, hey, I'm so-and-so, I'm a dietitian in this space, would love to connect with you. Um, Chances are they'll probably pay for your lunch if you go out to lunch with them. Not to put that expectation on them, but like, that was another favorite part of my job is I got to treat people to like lunches and dinners and coffees all the time. It was so fun. I love that whenever places reach out to us too. I'm like, yeah, you can come talk to our team. Yeah, you can bring us lunch. Let's yes. freak go. Exactly. Exactly. So those are my five outreach strategies. Anything you'd add to the outreach piece? I think an outreach strategy could be, and this is what I always tell business coaching clients, within five miles of your address, Find 20 people to reach out to that are complementary to your services and talk to them. Like if you want an action step from this, find 15 to 20 places. Okay. Go. I love that. I am going to file that away under things that will not get you an immediate ROI because they're going to be what's called a cold reach out. Cool. And it requires a little bit more time to build those connections. I do love that. I think if you like work through all of these like higher ROI, immediate ROI things. And you're like, great, I still have time to do some things. Like that is such a good recommendation. Cool. My other caveat to that is um, I would avoid doctor's offices or if you're going to do it, don't have all 20 of them be doctor's offices because those tend to have the lowest ROI. Interesting. I feel like we occasionally hit what's called a white whale where we get a fuck ton of oh, like- that's nice hit back from that. So it goes back to just taking action, finding Mm -hmm. 20 places and learn if it is doctor's offices that aren't getting back to you or learn if they're like, fuck, we've been looking for a dietitian. Let's freaking go. Or a therapist or other clinician type. Occupational therapist, speech therapist, physical therapist, um, chiropractors. Like there's so many other disciplines that it would be helpful for them to have your information to refer to if needed. But those typically do require a little bit more time to build that connection just because they're not directly in our industry. Um, and so it can take a little bit more time. Okay. Moving on to uh, number two of a marketing strategy that will get you a little bit more of immediate ROI. And that is email marketing. So I have two strategies for this. The first one is send out a mass email, BCC, every clinician that you've worked with before with a practice update. Do, have you moved offices? Are you transitioning back to in-person? Did you hire a new team member? Um, it doesn't have to be anything like major. Did you celebrate your like three-year business anniversary? Like whatever that is, send out an email, BCC everyone, and then double check that they're BCC and not CC'd because <laughs> you don't want all of them to be on the same email thread. Yes. And you say, will, people will get mad. They will get mad at you. Yeah, don't do that. Um, send out an email that says hey, here's a quick update on our business. If you have any questions, let me know. If you want to grab coffee and learn more about XYZ that's going on in the practice, let me know. If you have any groups that are coming up that we can share with our clients, let me know. Like include a little something to like encourage interaction. So it's not just like a blanket email that's like, me, 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 celebrate me. Here's the cool things about me. 
but having that one extra thing of like, let's do something. Let me know if you have something, anything like that. The second email marketing thing is uh, a little bit more time consuming, but one that I highly recommend is setting up an automation into, I use MailerLite, you can use ConvertKit, Flowdesk, MailChimp, whatever. Use an email marketing service, write 12 emails, and it sounds like a lot. You can do that over the course of time. Write 12 emails, one email to go out a month, and just automate the shit out of that. You literally write these emails and then say like, wait 30 days and the next email goes out and then you have a delay that says, wait 30 days and the next email goes out. And these can be resources you've liked, books you've read, trainings that you've done, groups that you're offering, things that are a little bit more consistent and not changing so much because the purpose of the automation is to like set it and forget it. But this, what it does is these emails will be triggered to go out to uh, providers and it'll just keep you at the forefront of their brain. The caveat to this, do not add people to this list that you do not know and that have not like said that they want to be, they want to hear from you. They want to be on this list. Um, Because if you start sending emails out to people that like you've never met before, they're probably going to be pissed. And also it's illegal to add them without their consent. So just be mindful of that. Yes. We are all about consent. Also, you may be thinking like, oh my gosh, 12 emails over a year, that is not impactful. Guess what? A month goes by so freaking fast and one email a month is better than zero. Yeah, so true. All right. And the third thing is your online presence. And I am specifically going to talk about SEO and Google ads. Well, I'm going to talk about SEO. I'm going to let you talk about Google ads because that is your bread and butter marketing strategy. SEO is... uh, not necessarily the biggest immediate ROI, but it can be helpful, especially if people are searching like dietitians near me, therapists near me, um, and making sure that you have stuff in your SEO that has like your business name, your location, the services you offer, the specialties you have, the insurances that you take, and the words dietitian near me or therapist near me in there. That is my like 10 second spiel on SEO. Love it. It's a good spiel. I like Google ads, which is part of SEO because how many of your clients are going on Google to be like, find eating disorder dietitian, find clinician who specializes in trauma, like with Blue Cross Blue Shield, Cigna, all of that. Google is the number one search engine that people use. And so that is a true fire way of people finding your website, getting connected to you, getting to see a lay of the land of what it's like to work with you on your internet business card, your website. And so we pay somebody to manage our Google ads. I do not have any tips for you. This is one of the things I've outsourced because I do not care to learn it. I would much rather pay somebody who's an expert to do this. Um, I've seen people pay anywhere from $300 to $1,000 a month plus to have Google ads managed, let alone the cost of Google ads. We pay about $1,200 a month through now, probably 1500 through paying someone to manage them plus our actual ads. And we do see a lot and we get updates from our Google ads person who gives us clicks, um, conversion, all that good stuff. And a lot of people find us through Google. And that's really something that I have people think about investing in when they're a medium-sized group practice. If you're less than four, I don't know if it's worth it unless you're really trying to fill up people fast. There is a free Google ads lesson and course on Skillshare. So we'll link that if you have the extra time to do that. Amazing. So those are the things that'll get you high ROI, a little bit more immediate ROI. 
There are marketing strategies that will not get you high ROI. These are things that are awesome marketing strategies, probably not the best to do when you're in a lull. These are more like consistent things. First one, Instagram. You're not going to get clients from Instagram until you get a large following. You have to be so freaking consistent on Instagram. It is nice to have it. It's just like a secondary place to land for that like connection piece of potential clients. Do not spend your time here as a active marketing strategy in this stage of being in a lull. Second, being on a podcast. Great way to get your name out there. Not going to be great to get clients because uh, who knows where the podcast is located. Uh, you're probably only licensed in a certain number of states. The podcast is probably going out to anyone and everyone in the U.S. and beyond. So not just people in your audience. Third is doing drop-offs at doctor's offices. I'm going to be very specific about this. Don't just show up to a doctor's office with like Tiff's treats, cookies, and a couple of business cards because the cookies are going to get eaten. The business cards are probably going to get thrown away and no one's going to remember your name. If you're going to do the interaction with doctor's offices, you need to find a, a contact person there that you can have like their direct email address or their direct line so you can continue to build on that connection, that relationship. We have done that and have been successful. So what? I don't think it's a across the board write off. I think it just depends. Okay. Again, like we have a whole strategy where if we do a drop off, we are connecting with the office manager and we will follow up. So don't yeah. just drop off and see what happens. Like have a yeah. strategy. And that's kind of what you're saying too. I think we're saying yeah. the same thing. Have a strategy to stay connected with them. For sure. Yeah. You need to make sure that you get someone's name and number or name and email address that you can continue to follow up with them for sure. Yeah. That's, that's the, the missing piece. And then lastly is cold reach outs. Um, like we were mentioned earlier with other people, 20 people in your five mile radius of your business address, finding those people to connect with. I think it's really great to be able to go and connect with them and have them as referral sources. And because they are not immediately in our space and intimately understand our industry, it does take a little bit more time to provide education of like who the right type of client would be for you, um, how y'all can collaborate, educating them on eating disorders. It just takes a little bit more time. Not saying it's not worth it. It's just probably not something that's going to be like an immediate bang for your buck if you are in like a, oh shit, I'm slow. I need to do something right now kind of moment. I'm also trying to envision people who maybe aren't connected to their community yet. And so everybody's going to be a cold reach out and they have to start somewhere. So I think if it that's the on- case, start with a treatment center. That would be my recommendation. If you don't know anyone in your area, find an outreach rep for a treatment center and they will be able to connect you to people. Definitely. We hope, if anything, this was validating that there is this natural lull happening right now. We hope you took away ways to use your time efficiently and take action during this lull while you are waiting for your clients to come in that will come in. It just might take a little bit of extra work from you right now. Thanks for listening to the Weight Inclusive Innovators podcast. If you like what you hear, subscribe to our podcast to add us to your queue every week. Leave us a rating and review and share with a friend to help us reach more weight inclusive business owners who could use support and pep talks. We'll see you next week. Bye.